Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to POTUS 2020 Battleground America, a deadline podcast as we wind our way to November 3rd. I'm Ted Johnson, political editor at Deadline. And I'm Dominic Patton, the senior editor at Deadline. Well, last night was supposed to be the second presidential debate. But of course, that all fell apart over a week ago when Donald Trump, well, got coronavirus, didn't want to take care of other people in terms of making sure that they would be safe around him. The commission offered to do it as a virtual debate. He said no. Uncle Joe Biden moved over to ABC to do a town hall. And then, bingo, Donald Trump decided he wanted to do his own town hall with NBC. And that's where we ended at about mm, 8 o'clock Eastern time yesterday, 5 o'clock Western time. And then they kicked off. Mr. Johnson, who do you think was the winner of the dueling town halls? Uh, Dominic, last night was one of the more bizarre moments of presidential politics, uh, largely because of this dueling town hall, but you had viewers kind of going back and forth between these two very different uh, moments and two very different tones to the point where people were calling it crazy uncle versus Mr. Rogers. I have to say that I think this was a huge missed opportunity for the Trump campaign. I think the doing a a town hall debate as originally planned, um, I think would have been somewhat to Trump's advantage uh, because it would have shown him interacting with those average voters. Instead, what they got was Donald Trump being grilled by Savannah Guthrie, who I thought did a very good job of trying to hold his feet to the fire. And uh, because of the way that the Commission on Presidential Debates is set up, they you know, specifically say the moderator is not be- there to fact check. Uh, well, Savannah Guthrie was there to fact check. And yeah. given the controversy over the way NBC handled this, I think she was under the gun to actually you know, show that, hey, we're not just giving Donald Trump free airtime. Well, especially after, you know, after this incredibly controversial thing that, 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 you know, a number of members of our community, Ava DuVernay, J.J. Abrams, Kenya Barris, you know, Damon Lindelof, people wrote this letter to the heads of Comcast and NBC Universal, you know, Jeff Schellen gang, basically saying, don't do this. It's a threat to democracy. You're forcing Americans to make a, to make a, a, a battle of the, of the clicker, which we all know was about Donald Trump's ego. We know that the former Celebrity Apprentice host went back to his former network home to basically get this to do them for them, and they fell for it. Now, maybe that's some say it's internal politics at, at, at NBC Universal and NBC News. Regardless, that was the trick. And then, after all that criticism, Trump spent most of the day on the campaign stump criticizing NBC, calling them the worst, a joke, et cetera, et cetera. All of which was, was old school pitchman hype work for, for his own thing. And then he gets there and it was like, I gotta tell you, it was, in my opinion, 
it was the crowning achievement so far of Savannah Guthrie's career. I mean, I sure, felt yeah, in a, in, in, for a president who gets lobbed softballs in his, in his friendly bubble of Fox News all the time, and then often when he gets out of it, you know, that David Muir interview of several months ago and others, people just don't work with him properly. I really felt in this case that he really nailed it, and that Savannah really nailed it. It was, it was striking. What While we're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true so and that disavow QAnon yeah. in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard. But I know nothing they about it. They believe it, it is if a satanic like call run by the deep state. The subject, I'll tell you what I do know about. I know about Antifa, and I know about the radical left, and I know how violent they are and how vicious they are, and I know how they're burning down cities run by Democrats, not run Republican by Republicans. Republican Senator Ben Sass said, quote, QAnon is nuts, and real leaders call conspiracy theories conspiracy theories. He may be Why right. not just say it's crazy and not true? He may be right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that... Um, that NBC had this benefit of of going into it with people, you know, because of the criticism, people were kind of characterizing it as we're just going to give free airtime to Donald Trump. And I, I think that Savannah Guth Guthrie right out of the gate, you know, showed, listen, I'm going to be asking these questions that no other, you know, Fox News uh, anchor has been asking Trump. And following up, not, you know, when those voters, when the average voters got up and asked their question, she also made a point of following up to their questions. And, and I got to tell you, I got to tell on. you, that alone, follow up questions with Donald Trump is, is an anomaly of this presidency. It was like Savannah Guthrie suddenly showed everyone, this is how you do journalism. I, I mean, you know, Honestly, it was striking because when you consider what they were what they were being lobbed with, I mean, there was a point yesterday where you and I were speaking. I honestly wondered if NBC were going to pull the plug after Trump yeah, kept attacking them. I mean, yeah. I thought, but they can't do this. He he's he's treating Savannah Guthrie like Megan Kelly, like he treated Megan Kelly deplorably in 2016 before the event, and yet Savannah showed up, and she showed up with steel. I, it's so impressive, so impressive. Just this week, you retweeted to your 87 million followers a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have SEAL Team 6, the Navy SEAL Team 6, killed to cover up the, the fake death of bin Laden. Now, why would you send a lie like that to your followers? It. You Can retweeted That was a retweet. That was a, an opinion of somebody, but and that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't take a position. You're not like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just retweet no, no. whatever. That was a retweet, and I do a lot of retweets. And frankly, because the media is so fake and so corrupt, if I didn't have social media, I don't call it Twitter, I call it social media, I wouldn't be able to get the word out. And the word, well, the word is, is false. and you know what the word is? The word is very simple. We're building our country stronger and better than it's ever been before. I uh, and again, I mean, I know I'm harping on this, but look at the audiences, the, these debate audiences. What is it going to be? 
I mean, these town hall audiences, they're going to be what, six, seven million viewers. Compare that to the 60 to 70 million that Trump would have gotten in this town hall. Who knows how he would have performed, but it would have been probably a better opportunity for him to make, you know, to make some play at, at, uh, at Joe Biden and to get people's opinions changed. I think in the overall context, of the race, this is going to be looked upon as, oh, well, this is another media interview of Donald Trump, and it doesn't really change things. Yeah, and I would say as much as this was a missed opportunity for Trump, who, you know, well, let's be honest. I mean, let's looking at the early numbers right now, it's all it was also a missed opportunity in what is one of his most sensitive things, which is he got creamed in the ratings. I mean, Joe Biden, in the early numbers, and these numbers will change later, but right now on ABC, Joe Biden got 12.2 million viewers and a 2.6 rating among adults 18 to 49, whereas Trump, he got 10.3 10 million and a 1.7 rating on NBC. Now, the fact is Trump will win the ratings war because there was simulcasts on MSNBC and CNBC, and those numbers are significant for him. But head to head on network TV, Donald Trump just isn't the draw he used to be. A lot of people were saying they were gonna boycott NBC, Maybe some of them, unfortunately, did. They didn't see what a great job Savannah did. But a lot of people were turning to ABC to make sure that Uncle Joe got a real pump up here because they didn't want to give Trump the ego boost of saying Trump beats Biden when Biden is clearly leading in the polls. What was interesting, as you and I covered this last night, and as we both flipped channels back and forth, you primarily being on NBC with Trump and me primarily being on ABC with, with Biden, was the difference in the town halls. Savannah took this more as NBC, took this more as a one-on-one -on -one interview with, I guess, input from voters. ABC, <laughs> George Stephanopoulos, really, he was a crossing guard, as I said in my review last night. He, the, the former Clinton aide didn't really ask that many questions, except at the very end, he kind of to lead it to the end. He basically took it to the voters, and the voters were interested, and Biden was interested. Yes, he did have a piece of paper with him that he read off some, some uh, figures, which were rather intricate budget figures, I might add. So no, no sin on that for him. And he pulled it out. It's not like he tried to hold it in his palm and cheat or anything. And he certainly punted on the, the, the court packing. But he was engaged with the voters. The thing is, and I, I'm repeating our review again to some extent, it was kind of dull TV. Unlike Trump, which was kind of like, again, you're watching a dumpster fire either happen or somebody getting ready to do it. Biden, I think, ultimately, not that great TV, not crappy TV either, but kind of what we thought was a normal town hall for a presidential candidate, he kind of reintroduced that. So I think there was two things that came out of that. One, he was incredibly engaged with voters. In fact, ABC couldn't get him to leave. When they were trying to do their analysis show afterwards, after the 90-minute town hall, he was still in Constitutional Hall in Philly chatting with people and had his mask on a little closer. He stayed for like, I think, an hour almost before he went home to Delaware. The other thing is, I think this gave us a glimpse of the kind of president Joe Biden might be if he wins, which is he's going to be understated, but he's going to be definitely engaged. And that on TV and in the corridors of power is a very definite flip from what we've been experiencing the past three years. So I have to say, if I was going to be crass about it and put up the scorecard, Biden has won in the head-to-head -head ratings, and I think he won in terms of the content and substance when it comes down to it. Now, the Trump uh, campaign is going to be complaining about this, obviously. Uh, well, Trump was complaining about it even beforehand, 
they they quickly came out and said uh, essentially that that Trump was debating Savannah Guthrie last night. Hannity came out and said, "Hey, this whole thing was actually an ambush." Uh, and it, it kind of tells you, you know, if you're if you're attacking the moderator, that doesn't mean that means that you didn't do that well. Uh, you don't think you did. That it also well. it also uh, means you're it also means you're desperate. Let's be honest. Well, Let's be honest. Trump set this up. This was he held NBC over a barrel. He couldn't go to Fox. They had baseball last night, and CBS weren't going to play this game. So he he knew that NBC needed to work with him, and he made them work with him in the way that he does, like he did when he was on Celebrity Apprentice. To be honest, you know, um, he knew Savannah Guthrie was going to be the moderator. You know, and let's be honest, a lot of us, and you and I included, before before we saw her excellent display last night, we sort of thought Savannah was going to play softball. That it wasn't going to be Lester Holt like what Biden had when he did his NBC town hall. It was going to be a Today Show co-host, which is an environment that the Fox and Friends friendly Donald Trump feels very comfortable in. If he got grilled by Savannah Guthrie, then he should be like, yeah, that's on me. Of course, Donald Trump never says that's on me. But the, the, the reality is she put him in the seat that a president's supposed to be in, or at least a candidate for president. He could not answer. He could not properly denounce extremist groups. In fact, he kind of embraced them. In, in the most horrible way, um, with, a, with a saying that he ha they had a mutual dislike of pedophilia, which <clears throat> is just unbelievable that we're coming to this in this day and age. But in this age of Trump, which is hopefully ending, that's where we're at. They made that bed. They have to lay in it. They're a losing campaign. There's, I know, over two weeks left to go and anything can happen. But at this point, they are so far behind that it is in single digits, the betting in Vegas, that Trump is going to pull this off. They'll blame anyone at this point. But now, the uh, uh, I do think that, you know, if there was a bright moment for Trump, it was the moments when he was talking to the average voters. Uh, I, I thought he did pretty well in some of those, in some of those interactions. The problem is, you know, it, this was much more of a one-on-one -on -one interview than it was an actual town hall. I'll say it a third time, again, missed opportunity. He should have done the town hall debate that would have gone out to 60, 70 million people. It would have given him the opportunity to just be talking to the average people and say, listen, I'm, I can be empathetic. I hear your concerns. That is if he, if he, you know, he had turned them. into a, you know, a different, <laughs> a different type of uh, candidate. Yeah. That he's if so you were far, talking about another guy named Donald It would have been Trump. that opportunity. You know, this, one of the things that I thought for us and our community was that letter that went to Jeff Schell and, and many others in the NBC, Universal, and Comcast hierarchy from um, about 100 members of the Hollywood community. And we talked, we mentioned it earlier, Ava DuVernay, J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof, Kenya Barrett. I mean, heavyweights galore. I thought, maybe I'm overplaying this, earlier in the day, I thought that that might have a strong effect over at the Comcast-owned network to make them reconsider this. What was your early take on that letter from uh, from Hollywood, and and what effect do you think it had ultimately over the day yesterday? Well, I think that um, I think it forced NBC to respond. Cesar Conde, the 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 new head of NBC News, uh, put out a statement. Um, but I think there were dangers. A weak statement. A weak. 
Yeah, but I think there were dangers in NBC backing away from it, the news division backing away, because that would have created its own other set of can of worms where people would say, why is the entertainment division starting to dictate what is happening on the news division? So I think there were, it, it, the problem for NBC is they kind of got backed into a corner and uh, there were no real good options except for having Savannah Guthrie there and to show that this wasn't gonna be a softball interview. So I think that they, they actually recovered some, uh, so, recovered from this somewhat. It's still puzzling why they couldn't have scheduled this on a different night, given that Donald Trump seems to be available for uh, interviews all the time. He did two hours with Rush Limbaugh last week. But I think that- And he that, goes on these, these tiny little right-wing cabler networks that are like trying to be the next Fox News that, I mean, he just goes, what governing is, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. Look, this is the, the, the final month, final weeks of a campaign. Nobody's really governing right now. Everybody's everybody's campaigning. So I, that's unfair. I will actually take that back, President Trump, for once. I well, will say this, but, though. I, I will say this. You know, Trump is not the draw he used to be. I mean, I you know, I, there are a lot of people who say, look, I know the polls say Biden's Biden's got a solid lead. He's got a growing lead. It's looking like, it, you know, it's looking pretty good. And people that I talk to off the record I don't want to say the word landslide, but you can tell a lot of them are starting to think it now. And they're now thinking the Senate really is in play. Um, but Trump, he's just not getting the numbers he used to. And I think that that's where you're seeing a lot of people, you're starting to see an element of cutting him loose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think this strategy uh, that Trump is deploying in these final weeks, which is to kind of flood the zone, uh, to be out there all the time, to be tweeting all the time, to be doing rallies all the time, to be giving interviews all the time, especially to some of the right, the the media outlets on the right. Um, I think, you know, Trump has been overexposed his whole career, but now we're facing this campaign where his rival is running on the whole idea that uh, to voters, the message, aren't you exhausted by all this? And it seems to be resonating. Uh, so Trump's solution seems to be, well, I'm just going to give you more Trump. I'm not so sure that that is the smartest approach, is to continue to, you know, try to, you know, not win every news cycle, but to try to dominate every news cycle. And, and uh, I know the Biden campaign, their strategy is let them talk. Well, I mean, this is like, I mean, I think the guy thinks he's fighting, in, I think he thinks it's the 2016 election. I mean, they're still talking about a Hillary sure. email. Yeah. Right? You know, one, one thing we should talk about briefly, and we should mention, by the way, that um, uh, we have a, a great guest today with us, and, and the amazing Colin Quinn is joining us. But um, this week has also seen coronavirus now rear its head after, after in, infecting a lot of the White House, including President Trump and the First Lady. It's now rearing its head in the Democratic ticket. What effect do you think that's, that's, gonna, that's had? I mean, obviously, Senator Harris, it, they're saying that she wasn't um, infected. They're also saying that uh, Vice President Biden wasn't, but people were close to him. But there were, you know, Senator Harris's communications director has tested positive. Other people who may have been around them for short periods of time have tested positive. This is clearly the corona campaign. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Um, well, I think that uh, that they probably handed it 
handled it as as well as they could. They got out there with a long, detailed statement. They did a press call on exactly what was happening. And then as the day went on and more people, one more person tested positive, they made sure to get that information out there. Um, it, you know, it, it, sure, it's not a great situation. And I, and I hope, uh, I, know, I know the communications director, I, I wish my best for her. Uh, but I, and I, I um, uh, you know, you never wanna see someone test positive for this virus. But I think that what they were trying to do was kind of establish, hey, this is how we handled this situation versus this is how the White House handled the situation. And uh, the reason I say that it's probably a success is you look at the news now and it's not dominating the headlines on the news today, 24 hours after this announcement. Well. We are now looking at what is the understated campaign of Biden-Harris. And with that, also joining us, as we mentioned earlier, is one of my favorite comedians, but also one of the people who I think is most insightful nowadays about not only the history of this country, but the cultural history and dynamics of this country. And that is Colin Quinn. Now, the former Saturday Night Live alum has a new book out called Overstated, A Coast-to-Coast Roast of the 50 States. Before we talk to Colin, take a listen. California is the most important state by far, because it's the American dream's American dream. You were the last stop on our whole journey. Hawaii was us reaching off the bag in many ways, but we'll get to that later. Back in the old days, people wanted to come out to discover gold. So you had a lot of dirt bags who wanted to get rich. Because if I say there's free money, people are going to bum rush the place. Look at the Black Friday sales. Now imagine that, only when you get into Best Buy, they have free gold. I'm sure there were a lot of people who left empty-handed or waited to see who was riding out of California with a smile on their face. That would be the hardest part, telling your whole crew, keep a poker face when we leave. It's like leaving a casino. People ask, how'd you do it? And you have to shake your head and say, not good. The gold rush got people used to sitting in traffic jams in L.A. I remember when I was a kid, Johnny Carson would make jokes about the smog and the freeway all the time. Now everybody has freeway traffic. But back then it was only L.A. Now it's a given in Southern California that if you have to be at work at 8 a.m., you have to leave as soon as you pull into your driveway the night before. So, Colin, thank you so much for joining us this morning um, on POTUS 2020 Battleground America. I want to talk to you a lot about what you think about what's been going on. Before we go there, I want to talk about your new book, Overstated. Um, I'm just going to do this to embarrass Ted. You in the book, you call it a, sta- uh, it's a roast of all 50 states. Mr. Johnson is from the wonderful state of Minnesota, which you describe <laughs> as, when I think of you, I think of a tall, high cheekboned blonde, like Alexander Skarsgård or Shalars Theron, just beautiful, cold, unemotional, which is the same as cold. I don't know why I said it twice. Maybe because they're cold. Ted, would you agree? I will have to say, because there's this phrase, Minnesota nice. And Colin, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not really Minnesota nice. It's Minnesota reserve. That's another phrase. And um, I get this from time to time. People saying, you know, the problem with you is I never know what you're actually thinking. And that is true throughout Minnesota is... People don't wear the, their emotions on their sleeve. 
and we're perfectly fine with having a conversation and not having talking, you know, not saying anything. And that rattles a lot of people. So I think you hit the nail on that. But I'm not blonde. No, but I will say Minnesota, the only place in the world where people move from a cold place in Europe to a colder place. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Colin, what, what, I, this book obviously came out of your last Netflix special, Red State, Blue State, but what inspired you to write this like this? Well, first, let me say this about Minnesota, by the way. The fact that they don't, they aren't fully like revelatory about their feelings is not necessarily a bad thing. We've just decided it's a bad thing in our society. But here's what Minnesotans do. So like last time I was there, you're pulling out of a parking lot. Everybody waits for the next person to go. <laughs> Nobody does that. So nice. Such nice people. It's, Such nice people. Exactly. So even if that's fake nice, it's better than real, you know, L.A. or New York, where L.A. you try to get on the freeway, nobody lets you on. It's all these mellow people. They don't let you on the freeway. And New York is notorious. No. So it is an interesting thing. But, I mean, um, what inspired me to write this book was the fact that, you know, I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with the fact that this country will probably not, no longer be a country soon. You know, you know, when I, you know, my family, my family are British. And, and when I, when I was a kid growing up, when I would have my cousins come over, you know, we, we lived in New York and they basically to them, there are only three Americas. There's New York, America, where everybody uh, eat, eat, eat pizza and, and sausage and yells at each other in the street, which they relate to as Londoners. There's California, America, where everybody's beautiful and surfs and they kind of think is Australia, but not really. And there's Texas, which was basically JR and Dallas. And it was, there was a great book. I remember years and years ago, well, it's not a great book, a terrible book, actually. But I remember when I was a kid, there was this book <laughs> called The Five Nations of North America. It's a terrible book, but it had a great cover. And it talked about how there's no reason why this is a country. There's these five different places that just kind of connected because somebody decided a long time ago they were supposed to be. I felt when I was reading overstated, you were kind of just doing that. But unlike the five nations of North America, your book is really good. <laughs> Thanks. But I mean, I like that idea. They, they make a good point, which is maybe we're not supposed to be a country. It was a, it was a great idea. But we sort of, because we were so big, that kind of let us push all our problems down the road. So every time place we get crowded and conflict, ah, people go west. There's new areas, new people sending back new resources i will deal with it later on so it was a little bit of a uh, you know what i mean the strategic mistake was not going into canada and mexico and just keep doing this we could have kept it going for another few hundred i want to mention to people too if, if they pick up a copy of your book unlike a lot of things that have come out in recent months colin's book is right on point so for instance you know you talk about and i will be honest let's 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 describe this as my adopted state in yours new york before Corona, New York City was a madhouse. And that's just you being nice in the kickoff. Then it gets harder and harder and harder. Um, yeah. How was that writing? And, and, you know, obviously for you, you're a performer. So you can't go out and test the material in front of a crowd right now. So how is it writing like this and working like this? Horrible. I'm glad you said that because it's horrible. I'm so spoiled being able to test material that when I can't test it, I'm just fuming the whole time. I'm really a diva when it comes to that where i'm like i can't believe it and i would trick myself the way i wrote it was 
I would trick myself that I was going to perform it as stand-up. That's the only way I could write. So let's talk now. Let's talk a little bit about what we saw as some stand-up last night with dueling town halls on ABC and NBC. Colin, what's your take on this? Was was this just like Florida? Was it just one big hot mess? Um, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, watching the debates, all watching the the two debates, and then watching last night, it was like, wow, this is. I think most people feel like, is this the best and the brightest? What went wrong where this became the the you know the the thing we have to vote for in these critical times? Because Trump is, you know, Trump is almost put together by like scientists of the worst qualities of a human being combined, obviously, you know. I mean, he's he never misses a beat where you go, no, everything you know, <laughs> really is perfection in its own way, you know. Where you just well, now, what did, yeah. what did you think of Uncle Joe? I mean, he, you know, here's the thing is, it, of all the criticism of him being, you know, out of touch or whatever, the guy was there for 90 minutes holding his own. He was like a factoid machine, just whipping them off one by one. Yes, he was. He was. He was. But he's still, uh, you know, obviously you're voting for Kamala Harris. You're not voting for Joe Biden. How long is he going to oh, be mean the, you mean the for, You mean the 47th president of the United States? Yes. I mean, and if, you know, but he was... But again, he's just, you know, he's a guy that just speaks platitude. I mean, the problem is people don't realize they, because Trump is so awful, people act like the Democrats are saying something good, but they're, you know, just the fact that they can't even denounce like people writing for a hundred days in a row, that's on them. They said they're like the indulgent parent where you're sitting there watching the kid break stuff and they're like, he's self-advocating. Well, I, I think... I, I think of Joe Biden in some ways, and look, I'm a fan of the former vice president. I'll admit that. But I will say this. He has become like the Jacques Chirac of American politics. Jacques Chirac was, was the, one of the most unpopular French presidents of all time. But he was reelected by the largest majority ever because he ran against the National Front. Even the communists voted for him at that point. And I feel like that's where we're at with, with Biden. Even people who don't even know how to, how to, how to spell Democrat are going to mark X on this one. Yes. No, I think so, too. I mean, I think so, but guess what? There's a, around this country, we're, that's what we're hearing in show. Around this country, there's a lot of Trump signs all over this country that are still up. So people acting like, oh, everyone hates Trump. Everyone in the media hates Trump. But the media doesn't have the election. There's a lot of people that don't care because, and it's like part of it to me is that when you set up a when you set up a scenario where you're calling 60 million people Nazi adjacent, you're putting them in a position where they have no choice. What are they supposed to do? Go, yes, I'm a Nazi. First of all, if they were Nazis, we'd know about it. If there were 60 million Nazis, we know about it. So protect people pretend they like parades, so you know. But that yeah. They love parades, so, Nazis. They, People pretending that they can just insult these people and dismiss them and everything's going to be all right. That's, that's how Trump got elected in the first place. And my, I'm one of those people that believes Trump got elected by the left as much as by the right. Yeah, you know? yeah. And also, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, I got a lot of people crapped on me in 2016 when I said, even in the 2015, when I said he was a serious contender. And I do think one of the things that people forget is, kind of like Ronald Reagan, 
Donald Trump has been famous for a very long time. People who don't know who don't know who Joe Biden is, who's been around forever, they know who Donald Trump is one way or the other. Yeah. What, what do you think will happen if Biden wins? I mean, because in your book, Overstated, you talk about these divisions. Does that only get exacerbated, I guess, if Biden wins? You mentioned all these Trump signs. Or do they just kind of pack up and go home and say, we saw our candidate, we had him in the office? Yes, yeah, I, think, I think if Trump wins, there'll be riots. There'll be riots. Okay. But Very if Biden clear wins, answer there, Colin. No ambiguity on that one. Yeah. If <laughs> yeah. Biden wins, there'll probably just be like, you know, some, you know, protest. I mean, you know, the, the narrative of these wild militias, I'm not saying some of them don't exist, but most Trump voters, you know them. They're not going to be out there. You know what I mean? They're older. They're more, you know, they're not going to be. I'm related to a couple of them. What's that? Oh, you did? I'm related to a couple of them. i got some older people in my family who they, they, they create. They love him. They yeah. love him. And they all say the same thing. They all do the same thing. Every Trump voter I've met. Well, not everyone, but almost everyone I've ever met. They say, look, I don't like. And then they list three things. They say the tweets, the abuse of women, this and that. But then they say, but I feel like the guy speaks his mind. That's always what they say. And I feel like, and then they talk about somehow how he's like an, a, 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 an opposition to career politicians. Well, and then when you say to them, I mean, my, my only comeback is my two-year-old daughter speaks her mind. Like, I'm not putting her in charge of the nuclear weapons either. Absolutely. But that's an interesting phrase. He speaks his mind. And once again, what has happened on the left in the past 10, 12 years has been such a weird suppression of speech. What used to be the province of the right for hundreds of years in this country became the province of the left in the past 25 years. So when somebody says speaks his mind, that's a big thing. Even though like yeah. your two-year-old daughter probably speaks her mind a little more articulately than he does. But that's a very- She knows more, she knows more words, I'll say that. Yes, but I'm saying, but it is, it's no accident that people say that. Yeah, obviously that's that's been a big problem for stand-up comedians you go on co college campuses the the whole idea of cancel culture that's that's kind of the first place that we saw right. people say hey there's a problem here with free speech on yeah. campus yeah and people just dismiss it and go oh it's nazis can't speak and it's like you can't, if there were 60 million Nazis in a country, we'd be in a war. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, that's a perfect example. So that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of behavior that gets a cycle like him elected. You know what I mean? Colin, right now, you know, there's about, there's just over two more weeks. We're going into supposedly one last debate between these guys. Is this really going to be over when it's over? And maybe more importantly, I'm asking, as a comedian, you've seen what Jim Carrey's playing Biden on SNL. Obviously, uh, uh, Madame Rudolph is doing is doing Senator Harris, and you know, Alex is doing his bold, he's doing his Trump. Right, right. Is is it going to be kind of a is it going to be a cold winter for comedians if Biden wins? No, everyone says that, but uh, I mean, anybody in comedy will tell you. Trump is like, there's nothing left. You know what I mean? So it's not that much, you know what I mean? There's not new ground with Trump. So if Biden and Harris, they'll do new stuff. Trump has worn out his welcome, even in comedy, as far as everyone squeezed the life out of it. What's left to say? 
No, so no. I have a question. I have a question for you. What's next for you? Now you've got the book, you know, obviously there's still degrees of lockdown. You can't get out there and do the stage. I know some people are doing it. Social distance comedy. What, what's next for you over the next couple months? I don't know. I mean, I'm just writing stuff. I'm writing things as if the, as if the coronavirus is going to go away, which is probably very stupid. But I mean, I'm writing like, oh, it's going to be gone. But I thought it was going to be gone by, by May. I was like, nah, this thing's gonna go away. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, they're gonna get a vaccine. I have too much faith in like, because I thought with a world of scientists, somebody's gonna have some miracle thing, but <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens, yeah. Uh, just a final question for me is, what is, you, what is your experience with Donald Trump? Um, Did, have you met him? Yeah, I met him at a, I met him at a roast years ago and I, it was like everyone else experienced. I go on, make jokes about him and everybody else. Then he goes on and he goes, Colin Quinn, never heard of this loser. He's a nobody. And at first you're like, hey, this guy's kind of funny, but he only has one, that's his only move. So at first you're like, hey, that's funny. And then he just, he, he doesn't have the brains to take it anywhere. So he may have a natural delivery that you're like, that's funny. But then you're like, oh, he's got nothing else. So it's just very one note, I would say, is what he is. <laughs> I know that's a shock to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just amazed at how many people in entertainment you can ask, what's your experience with Donald Trump? And there's always an anecdote. Yeah, everybody's, oh, yeah. everybody's crossed him because he's, you know, sort of in show business. He's the, he's the king of the green room. <laughs> yeah. He is. I met the guy like twice in green rooms. I mean, you know, <laughs> yes. he's the king of the green room. It kind of matches his skin. It's a great contrast. Yes, and he's funny for 30 seconds. Exactly. Like, like, like everybody's uncle they don't like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colin, it was a great, a great honor to have you with us. Will you come back and join us if we do more? I would love it, of course. Oh, man, we'd love to have you. Anyways, you be, you be safe and well. Give all our love to New York, and thank you very much. Colin Quinn's new book, Overstated, pick it up everywhere, even if you have to order it off the Bezos. If you, as we say in Minnesota, if you don't want to pick it up, don't bother yourself. Just. <laughs> That's exactly it. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, man. Thank you. Now a focus on next week, we have the big event, which is the next presidential debate. Uh, that's on Thursday, the 22nd of October. Uh, Dominic, do you think this is gonna actually happen? I would say 50-50. I'd put it this way. I, if I was betting on this, I would not bet with something that I was really not wanna lose, put it that way. Um, I, I don't know. I think at this point, it, it's so hard to tell. It's already becoming a question that both the candidates are getting. I, I, this campaign, there's nothing that I, I, I can't say. I just can't say. Someone could get sick again. Um, you know, hopefully by the time this debate comes around, the, the um, coronavirus infections that got to Senator Harris's circle will have dispelled, so to speak. No one else will be fine. But honestly, the Trump guys, they might just blow this off because this is just going to be more not good for them. You know, I, I can't see this one turning into another winner. Like, I mean, Nashville's a, Tennessee's a good state for Donald Trump, but I don't see this debate being a good stage for him at this point. Well, it's the traditional debate format. Uh, I can see already what may be a controversy coming up is the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates. They've been still working with the Cleveland Clinic 
And it's going to be all about, you know, can these candidates provide evidence that they've tested negative? Uh, you can see that, you can kind of see that controversy rolling right up until, right up at the beginning of next week. And and the media focusing on, on you know, that whole question is, uh, where are the test results? Are the, what kind of tests? Uh, when were they done? And who's vouching for them? So, uh, so that's and the big event the next fly? week. And where's the fly? That's what I mean. Where is that's the fly? what we're really gonna. If we get a fly landing on Donald Trump's head, it, this is over, over. Because, but at this point, that might be. And I hate to sound crass because a democracy should be an informed democracy. But that might be the only entertainment value we get out of this. I mean, you've said it. The, these, we know these guys. This thing is out there. We know there's no, you know, maybe Donald Trump will have some new platinum plan or maybe he'll announce his health care plan. Or, but I think any stimulus package coming out of Congress is now DOA until at least the election. The Supreme Court nominee of, of Judge Barrett, Barrett is, is happening. The, Dem the Republicans, I think they're putting it through committee on the 22nd, actually. Um, and so that's going to go to the floor. There might be some battle over that, but we know where that's going. So then the next thing is, will Joe Biden reveal if he's going to pack the court or not? He said last night on ABC that he would tell people closer to the election, depending on how the nomination went through the Senate, what his plan was. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Um, how much more is there to go here? And a few final notes on uh, the entertainment front. Uh, you have President Trump actually heading to California on Sunday for a fundraiser down in Orange County. The Biden campaign, they continue to tap pop culture. Stephen Colbert has an event on Monday night. Uh, and there's also going to be a marvelous Mrs. Maisel themed event with members of the cast next week. Uh, we have only a few weeks to go. And uh, uh, Dominic, it's... Uh, uh, it, I'll, I'll tell you, time has slowed <laughs> to a standstill. Uh, from, from my perspective, it can't come soon enough. I know. This is like a quantum physics experiment that's gone so wrong. So wrong. <laughs> I will ask you this, though, just before we go. You, you, were, you uh, watched the Star Trek um, uh, fundraiser with Mayor Pete. How'd it go? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that they probably, the campaign probably did really well. Uh, there wasn't, you know, as a journalist, there was no news out of it, uh, but it was kind of an ingenious idea uh, to gather all these cast members of Star Trek. We're talking people like uh, Patrick Stewart and uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew. Uh, we're seeing this kind of bizarre moment, uh, largely because of COVID, uh, where it's easy to wrangle a number of these stars to do these Zoom calls. And the Biden campaign has been capitalizing on this whole idea of, we're not just gonna throw a celebrity on there, we're gonna have a reunion. So we've seen this kind of reunion of Star Trek cast members, West Wing, uh, uh, Princess Bride, uh, Will and Grace, you know, kind of going through TV history as a draw to get people to pony up this money. And as we've seen, the 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 trend of this campaign, the what everyone's going to be talking about years after this election is over, is how this really changed the nature of fundraising and really amped up the online model as opposed to the traditional grip and grin fundraisers that we've seen for years and years, especially in Hollywood. Yeah, 
COVID, COVID will hopefully pass. There'll be a vaccine, but the effect on COVID on elections, presidential and otherwise, is going to be huge. We will talk to you after that supposed, well, I guess supposed to be third, actually a second and final presidential debate, whether or not it happens on the 22nd or not. We will be talking to you next week in a follow-up. I'm Dominic Patton for Deadline Hollywood. I'm Ted Johnson, political editor at Deadline Hollywood. And don't forget, you can listen to the POTUS 2020 Battleground America Deadline podcast here on Deadline, but you can also listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and everywhere else. So if you'd like to subscribe, we're going to be with you right up to the election. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.